All right. We're taking all the best old school wisdom and blending it with the top new school methods to bring you the optimal coaching strategies. This, this, this is the 8020 Baseball Podcast with Coach Bo. Welcome, everybody. We got Donald, my intro and outro guy, putting a little different twist on it there. He does a good job. I'll tell you what, if I had a voice like that, that's what I would do for a living is just a bunch of voiceover, intro, outro, whatnot. So anyways, Donald did a great job. I heard his voice. The first time I heard his voice a couple years back, I said, man, that's a great voice. Now, I do have different intros and outros. I really like the guitar. I'm really a guitar. Like I like an electric guitar, and I do have an intro that involves the electric guitar a little bit. But again, I don't want these intros and outros to take forever. It's about efficiency. I just like to have a little something to set the tone, something to kind of get the mindset right, and also a message on there that, you know, I wrote the message, I wrote the intro, the wording. I took a lot of time thinking about how I wanted it to come out and the message I wanted to share with you listeners going into each episode. So here we are, episode 65. The season is around the corner. Hopefully, if you live in a state that doesn't have everything shut down, locked down, and they let the base baseball fields and the sunlight or kids out there playing some sports, if they're letting that happen, you are right around the corner from the season starting. In the last episode, I mentioned Urban Myers. He calls it the 10-80-10 principle. It's really another version of the 80-20 principle. He swears by this principle. In fact, it drives this ratio, this principle drives how he looks and tries to work his team, the team culture, to get the most out of his guys and to avoid pitfalls in players that might not otherwise go down the wrong path in terms of, you know, hustle and getting demotivated and getting into problems. He tries to use this to keep them and steer them towards those top 10% of go-getters. We're going to break that down right now. And after we break that down, I'm going to share with you how changing one word and switching it with another word can make a big difference with how your team, your players perceive your message. Just a simple change of a very important word and you'll see how that can make a huge difference. So I'll share that after we get into the 10-80-10 principle. Urban Meyer has won everywhere he's gone. I talked about that a few episodes ago. He's won in four at four different schools. He's going to the NFL now. I'm sure there are things we could say about Urban Meyer that, you know, there's some flaws, just like all of us. We're not perfect. But I really think it's important when we look at consistently successful people, we look at what they're doing well and also make sure we don't bend on our principles and our values. With Urban Meyer, I definitely think there's some things we can learn from him as coaches. First, his 10-80-10 principle that he uses to guide how he coaches his team to get more players going in the right direction, the correct direction on the better path. So the 80-20 part of this, now he calls it the 10-80-10 principle, but here's basically so underlying it's 80-20. What he's saying is 80% of people want to, they want to follow. They're more likely to look to follow than they are to lead. And he's saying that there's 20% that are leaders, that are people that'll pull people with them, or they kind of lead and have people kind of follow and draft on them. He breaks it down into three groups. So he takes that 20% and breaks it into 10% of those 20 are go-getters. They're people that are going to bring people up. They're going to get people going in the right direction. They're going to get their teammates playing harder, playing more disciplined, playing better, and being better people off the field just as much as they are on the field. And then the other 10% are low motivation, undisciplined, distracted people, but they grab attention from their teammates. Their teammates will look to them. They kind of maybe look up to them. So that 10% that can lead in a bad way, that can lead players, their teammates in the wrong direction, 
direction. So he's saying like 80% of people, give or take, not a perfect percentage, of course, want to look to follow. And they're looking for people to go and, and grab hold of and go with. And so he's saying, Urban Meyer saying, over his career, his long career, he's seen that. But 80% of these people are looking to tag along, kind of look for somebody to lead them. And there's going to be 10% of those people on your team that are going to be go-getters that you want those 80% to go run behind and follow and, and run into battle with. And then there's going to be 10% that are low motivated, undisciplined, distracted, but are also going to have some kind of characteristics of, you know, grabbing attention, leading, kind of looking to be a leader in the wrong ways. And of course we want, and the goal of course is to get the middle 80%. And this is Urban Meyer's goal. He stated this in his book. I really like the book Above the Line. You know, it was one of those books I'd seen for a couple years and it's one of those I really surprised. The expectations of it weren't very good. I got into it and typically I don't start a book that I'm not going to finish because I really do vet the heck out of what I'm going to read. But with that said, I thought this book might be one that, you know, I don't know. I wasn't, I don't know much about Urban Meyer. I mean, I followed him and you see him out there cutting the success, the record, things like that. You can see pretty obviously, but I, you know, I didn't know Urban Meyer that well. And so needless to say, I got into the book and the expectations weren't super high, but man, he, they definitely exceeded it. It was really good. It was an easy, quick read, listen really fast. And man, it was well worth it. I think coaches should definitely look to getting that book and, and taking it down because there's a lot of books. Like I, I finished the book recently called Future Value. It's a baseball book. It's really, really interesting for me, but I would definitely not recommend it for coaches. I wouldn't even recommend it pretty much for any coach at all of any level. I would recommend it for people that want to scout, that want to get into professional baseball. Definitely for people that want to get into professional baseball, maybe players or people that want to be like recruiting coordinators for colleges. Other than that, I think that book is phenomenal, but in a small niche. And it was like, you know, I don't know, 12, 13 hour audiobook where the Urban Meyer one was five hours, maybe not even that, right around five hours. And it was packed with just really good stuff like this 80-10-10 principle, this 10-80-10. Or another way of looking like a 20-80, but he breaks down the 20 into two subgroups. Another very interesting statement that Urban made in the book, Urban Meyer thinks the world overvalues talent. Where have you heard that before? He thinks the world greatly overvalues talent. He said recruiting rankings based on talent and stats are much less valuable than knowing how hard a player is going to work and what kind of teammate they're going to be. Those are his words. I know Nick Saban, I mean, he wants to get every recruit on campus in a camp playing in front of him with other players, with other prospective teammates. He wants them there right in front of him because I think he wants to see what kind of player they are, not just physically, but really wants to see him firsthand rather than anecdotal information or information from a third party. Most high school coaches and most coaches, most people, you know, even if you leave on your resume or should I say on your job application, you leave a list of references. So you leave phone numbers or emails for references. I think more often than they probably want to, I think people will say good things just because they don't want to deal with any of the repercussions. They may not boast about you being the best at this or greatest at this or that or the perfect angel. And yeah, you're the best hire. You would be the best hire ever. But I also think that this is my opinion, kind of just looking at life in general and going, when you have these references from your old boss and all that, I think sometimes they just kind of say what they need to say and they just kind of let it be. They'd rather just, you know, maybe they're not. I, I think my point is more often than not, they're going to say something good than maybe always the complete truth about how you were as an employee before. And I think the same thing goes with athletes. So I think with like Nick Saban and Urban Meyer, they don't just want to go off, especially Nick Saban. He doesn't just want to go off of what the coach says. And he's very tight, I should say, and tied closely to the high school coaching world. And he's definitely got some great connections all throughout the country and definitely where he recruits heavily on the East and 
Southeast and whatnot. But he wants to see the kind of player they are firsthand. And Urban Meyer has just come out and said, hey, I think the world overvalues talent. This goes back and he goes, I think that it's much more important to see how hard they work and what kind of teammate they're going to be. And this goes to that 80-10-10 principle. 10%, according to Urban Meyer, about 10% of players, give or take each year, are going to be go-getters. They're going to be out in front. They're going to be self-motivated. They're the kind of players that are going to find themselves having players follow them or they're going to be out in front leading other players. 80% of players are looking to follow. They're looking to kind of just go along. Maybe they're a little bit more of a self-disciplined player than some of the others. But then you have those 10% of players. And again, if you can not have these 10% of players and you can choose your players even better, then you don't have the 10% of low motivated, undisciplined, distracted, uh, bad influences, bad apples that might lead a good chunk of your players that wouldn't otherwise go down that path, down a path that's not going to make your team culture very good. You're going to lose more games because of it. Your practices are going to suffer. Everything's just going to get worse. And so at the end of the day, you want that 80% in the middle to follow those 10% of go-getters. How do you get them to do that? Well, first and foremost, you reduce the amount of those bottom 10 percenters that you have or eliminate them before they even get on the team. Don't select those type of players. I've talked about this at great length. So maybe you just minimize or reduce or eliminate the bottom 10 percent and that takes care of that. Now, a specific example of getting those 10 percent of go-getters to stand out and help bring and draw more of those 80 percenters up, you could on the side work with the 10 percenters, praise, build connections. You should be building connections with all your players, but be have a very transparent conversation with them like hey you know other players look up to you this that and the other and I'm going to stop here and say this I'm not a big fan and I've been around sports a long time and I've been on a lot of teams and we've had captains for a lot of those teams I'm not a big fan of captains I'm just not I'm not a big fan I know like in football they make you distinguish it because you got to go out there for the coin flip but I'm not a big fan of selecting captains I know that's against the grain but hey I'm, I don't care I'm just trying to give it to you what I believe is the best and what I've seen the evidence proves or shows or at least kind of leads me to believe that it's the best way to do it is you don't really have captains. You maybe identify players that are go-getters and leaders and then you work with them kind of indirectly, but not necessarily out on the front. Like you're not making it, you're not shining the light and saying, these are the captains, these are the leaders. I think then you start categorizing, you start titling and you start putting players in these defined categories. And if you want people to be a certain, if you want kids to be a certain way, the fastest thing you can do, the best thing you can do is tell them you're in this category. Hey, you're not good at math. You keep telling a kid he's not good at math. Kid's going to likely be not good at math. He's just going to, I'm not good at, that's not me. I'm a, or if you keep telling a kid that they're this, that, and the other, they're very likely to be this, that, and the other because they are just listening and believing into what you're saying. So I do think having captains, I would avoid having captains. If you can have, if you can avoid it, get those 10% of go-getters, get those guys that you want the team to follow that you know are good leaders. They may not be vocal, but maybe they, more importantly, they lead by their actions and you set them up to be successful. You work with them. You kind of work through them. You work through them to get to the other 80%. And that's going to play out on different ways, depending on what you need and and what the team needs. Remember, it's not about what you need. It's really about what the team needs. You're just trying to enhance their positive influence. You're just trying to increase their positive influence. How can you help them be better leaders? How can you help them draw and bring more people along with them, but really make it feel like it's the 80%, the main 80% choice. And also the 80% also sees it, the go-getters, like it's coming organically from them, even though you're supporting them in that role, maybe giving them some tips and things like that, building a good rapport. So you could give praise as equally as possible throughout the team, as equally and as evenly distributed amongst all your players. It's never going to be exact and that's okay, but you're trying to divide up the praise that you give out to your players across the board to all the players. And 
at the same time, maybe you dedicate a little bit more time to giving strategies or you dedicate some time to giving strategies to those 10%, those go-getters. A specific example of this would be, say your leadoff hitter is one of those 10% go-getters, your leadoff hitter, which isn't a bad idea because leadoff hitters are, you know, leadoff leaders. And I also set the tone, look at Mookie Betts. He's the quintessential leader. Just follow his lead and how he holds himself, how he walks with some swag, how he goes about his training, his skills training, his development, his just approach to the game. He's a perfect leadoff hitter and a great leader. So you got your leadoff hitter and maybe you'd go up to the leadoff hitter before the game before the season or towards the beginning of the season and just say, hey, you are an awesome player. Give them some praise and then say, hey, you know, if you're leading off for us, don't tell them you are our leadoff hitter. You are Because if things change, you don't want to go back on what you said, but say, hey, when I use you as a leadoff hitter, or since you're one of those, just one of our better base runners, if you can just show the rest of the team what it's all about getting out of the box and that hustle, I think you can motivate the other players and we're going to win more. So when you use your go-getters, your leaders, and you're working through them, you have to also sell to them a little bit why it's going to help everybody so that gets their buy-in some of these players they don't need any selling they're just going to buy in and do exactly what you said but there should be hey this is why we're doing this and this is how it's going to help the team and this is how it's going to help you and the team be better win more games have more fun so i need you to get out of the box hard every time because not only are you going to get out of the box and look good and play better and really score more runs and help the team more not only are you going to have a better season all your teammates all your buddies are going to see you do that and they're going to want to do it and they're going to see you you do that and they're going to go, that's how I'm going to do it. And they're going to follow you. And so that's a specific example of how you can use a player to get your team to hustle more rather than just, Hey, we got it. Or okay. They should be hustling and they should be going hard or they shouldn't be on the team or they shouldn't be out there or there should be discipline, playing time, bear crawls, etc. But sometimes that extra 5% is hard to distinguish. And it's hard to, to say like, Hey, you can't sit a guy for running 95% because it's really hard. Even though, you know, he could go a little faster. It's really hard to prove that he wasn't going 100%. So to sum it up, there's a lot of ways to get those 10% of go-getters, those 10% to get that 80% to follow and up their game because they see the 10% doing it and they want to go with them. They want to follow them. There's a lot of ways that this can play out. One, by choosing better players. Number one is definitely choosing better players. And also, if you can choose players that don't fall into that bottom 10% that Urban Meyer talks about, those low motivation, kind of the distraction type of kids are going to distract from what's important. They're going to set a bad example. They're going to bring other players down down. If you can avoid having those on your team, that's the first and foremost, most important thing you should do. And then get those 10% of go-getters to really draw and help them draw in and, and suck in more of those 80% that are looking to follow good kids, just looking a little bit more of, they're more into following and kind of just finding an example and going with it and getting them to go with that 10% of go-getters, that 10% of disciplined, hardworking players, hustle kids, and get them to go with them. There's a lot of ways this can play out. There's a lot of different, I could give you different examples, but your situation is going to be different as a coach, depending on the season, the players, just the certain needs of what you need to do. And you're going to feel it out. But remember, first and foremost, find those kids that have influence, that are go-getters, they're hustlers. Find those, identify those one, two, three kids that are influencers, positive influencers, and work through them. Work through them to get the other 80% to follow them. Because nothing, nothing motivates a kid more than trying to stay with his peers, trying to do what his peers are doing, trying to 
fit in. It's much better than a top-down approach. It's a peer-to-peer influence, a peer-to-peer uplifting, and that's what you want. So you can use those 10% in subtle ways to get the other 80% to follow, eliminate those 10%, just don't have them on your team. I don't really know. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to get those 10% of the underachieving, the kids that are going to bring other players down. There's different ways you can handle that, but at the end of the day, it's really not going to work out very well unless you just keep those players off your team. And a lot of those players are that way because of their parents. Keep them out of your program off your team. It's just not worth it. It doesn't matter how good they are. Don't fall for the talent tease. And if you want my number one recommendation for a movie, in fact, I think I talked about this last year. I talked about, or I had it, there's an episode earlier on where I talked about tryouts and optimizing your tryouts. You can go back, listen to that episode, and we talk about building your team, picking your team, but you got to go watch, if you haven't already, the movie Draft Day. Draft Day with Kevin Costner. It came out in 2014, 2014. You got to watch that movie. I mean, not only is it a good movie, it is a really good movie, whether you want to even get something out of it or not, but there's a huge bonus to it for anybody who's a coach, anybody who's running or a leader of an organization, a boss, a business owner, definitely a coach. Watch that movie, Draft Day. Watch it. Watch the massive main plot line. Watch how it finishes. Holy smokes. It will literally show you and explain what I'm talking about here, the entire movie. There's not another movie that encapsulates this message of picking the best players and not falling for the talent tease. If you've watched it already, you already know what I'm talking about. Don't fall for the talent tease. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. If the players are talented, awesome. As long as they're good kids and they work hard and they're not lowering the rest of the players down a notch in terms of their hustle, their buy-in, their coachability, etc. But go watch Draft Day. Definitely before, I actually recommend in that episode, is that podcast episode, I recommend that every single coach, every single year, before they're picking their team, before they put their team together, if this happens every year for you, if it just happens one time, it's a one-off, you put a team together, watch that movie every single time you're about to put a team together. Watch it the day before, the week before. Oh man, it's going to pay off. Huge. That movie is awesome in sharing the message that it's about the quality of the person. And like I said, it's a great movie. So that's phenomenal. I love that sort of thing. It's kind of like that show I recommended maybe seven or eight episodes back, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, it's on Apple. It's an Apple original series. They just finished or they recently finished season one. I know they've signed a contract for season two. I can't wait for it to come out. And Ted Lasso, watch this show. I mean, it's funny. It's well done. It's very good quality. What I love is it's comedy and it's very well done. And then there's this awesome message, awesome message and awesome examples, awesome examples over and over and over again throughout the series, throughout at least season one, showing coaches how to work with their players, how to work with different players, challenging players, how to build the culture of the team. The entire show is about building team culture. It just happens to be on an Apple original, one of their most popular shows. It's a college football coach who in a very stretched way, in a very stretched way, probably wouldn't happen in real life necessarily, a college football coach that gets appointed, that gets hired to run a Premier League soccer team in England. And if you haven't watched that show already and you're a coach, watch Draft Day before you build your team and watch Ted Lasso as the season is starting. Man, now, maybe not a show you watch with kids around Ted Lasso. It's not a kid show. Now, Draft Day, I think, is a movie that uh, many kids could probably watch and it would be all right. But Ted Lasso, not a kid show. Watch it after the kids go 
to bed, catch an episode every night. There's probably only 12 episodes in season one. So in two, three weeks or a month, you could have watched the whole show. It's a good show. Trust me. I'm telling you, it's a good show. I don't know if it's a perfect 10. I don't know if it's as funny as Frasier, but it is a very enjoyable sports comedy with a massively useful message. If you haven't seen Ted Lasso, watch that. Go watch Draft Day before you put your team together. Both are quality with a very, very strong message that'll withstand the test of time in the coaching world. All right, for part two of this episode. Last episode, we did a two-parter. This episode, we're going to do a two-part episode. Some of these things that we're diving into, we got to get a little deeper into. This podcast is designed to be at that 30-minute mark. I don't want to drag on. I try not to get into the weeds too much, but definitely sometimes we got to add some context. We got to add some detail. And sometimes I'm going to add lib a few things off the script of the podcast, like adding in Draft Day and Ted Lasso, because those are things that are just big needle movers when it comes to changing and improving our paradigm as coaches and as parents. And then they just fit right in with what we were talking about. And they're some of my top recommendations. So I'm going to ad lib a little, throw those in there. Part two, changing one word. Well, I should say swapping two words, but using one word instead of another word. I propose that instead of calling rules, team rules, I've talked about rules on here, but I read an article by Coach Barry Davis at Ryder University. At Ryder University, Coach Barry Davis. I read this article recently and he doesn't call them rules. So at Ryder University, Barry Davis did not call rules, rules. He changed the word rules to standards. And I propose right here and now that we start calling our rules, not rules, but standards. I just, I like it. And some of you go, well, tomato, tomato. I'm telling you, it's just not the way. And a lot of you already know this. And a lot of you have already, you know how influential words can be. And the right words at the right spots can have such a bigger impact. It's just a much bigger impact. If you're in marketing or you know, anybody who's in marketing or you've ever studied marketing. I haven't studied marketing that much, but I've studied it enough to understand because I always thought like, it doesn't matter how good your idea is. It doesn't matter what you know. It doesn't matter what you're trying to tell people or or anything like that. You're always selling something. You're you're selling a better coaching strategy. You're selling to parents to be better parents. You're selling to kids. You're selling a product that you want to help the world with. Whatever it is, you're trying to sell your own kids on doing something, cleaning up the room. We have to be better salespeople. And I've talked about this in episodes before. One of the things I think schools do a terrible job of is teaching kids how to sell good ideas, how to sell things that they believe in, that they think can help other people. Being able to sell comes down to using the right words, to using the right words in the right order and the right fit. And I think standards versus using the word rules, using standards versus rules, I like that. I think that's a much better fit. I think it sends a completely different message. Rules in 2021 come across as kind of a dictatorial term. And A, if you work with players like myself and a lot of you, you didn't take it personally. The rules was rules. You understood where that was coming from. You understood the purpose, but that's not how all your players are going to be. And I'm not saying you're changing it around and not having rules. Absolutely not. In fact, I've probably been as much as anybody you've listened to is like, hey, you don't bend your rules. Don't bend them. Don't break. They don't break. No, you follow through on every single time, every single time, no matter who the player is, no matter what you follow through on your rules. I'm a huge fan of rules, but I think if we change it to standards, the word to standards, I like that better. I hear something, I go, hey, it doesn't mess with the underlying value. It doesn't mess with the underlining principle. In fact, it just kind of enhances it, I think, even more. It gets better, 
buy-in. Standards sells better than rules. You're not changing your rules. You're not changing how often you enforce them or any of that or what they are and what your expectations are. You're just going to call them standards. This is our standard. This is the standard. This is what we do. This is our expectation. This is the standard. Expectations is kind of that term. You Standards or using the word standards does not soften it up because you got rid of the word rules, but you're trying to get buy-in. It's not about you as a coach. It's about what you can get the players to buy into that really matters. And I think using the word standards is an awesome idea. In fact, I highly recommend you say, these are our standards. This is the standard. The standard is you're going to hustle. The standard, the team standard is that we hustle. We sprint to first base. We sprint around the bases. We don't throw our gear. We don't disrespect the umpires, the other team, definitely not our peers. We have high standards for this team. We have high standards for each other. Our standards are high because we want to be better people. We don't bully other people. Our standard is that we don't bully other people. Our standard is that we clean up the dugout. That's just a standard. It's just, that's standard. That's just a standard. It's just when people say, oh, hey, hey, that's standard, right? That's just what comes with it. You buy a car, it came standard. That's what came with the car. And that's exactly what you want to expect. You want rules to just be, it's standard. Like it should be standard. Like that should just go without saying. So I love the rule. (laughs) I love the idea of using standards instead of the word rules. And a big shout out to Coach Barry Davis, the well-known great baseball coach at Ryder University. By the way, that's a great name, Barry Davis. That's a great name, Barry Davis. Don't change that name, but definitely want to change the word rules to standards. There's a good book out there called Words That Work by Frank Lutz or Luntz, Frank Luntz. I read it years ago and it was called Words That Work. It was one of my early years of teaching and I was just trying to get buy-in. You know, I knew my message. I wanted that I was a health teacher, a PE teacher. I wanted kids to be better shape. I saw the epidemic, obesity epidemic hit, and I saw these kids coming in as freshmen at 320 pounds, 300 pounds, 340 pound freshman in high school, not college, high school. And albeit it was at the inner city and I was working with a lot of just very poor eating habit. The community was very poor and the, the inner city, the urban, the, the ghetto areas, just they just, it is what it is. And I'm not going to blame this, that, and the other, like a lot of the people in the inner cities want to blame. I mean, at the end of the day, we are all responsible for ourselves. So I worked in the inner city and I had all these kids that had all these bad eating habits. They weren't exercising and I had to sell to them. I was like, but you would say something and it just didn't click. Or you would say something, you would say that same thing in a different way and it would click. And all of you know what I'm talking about. So I got interested in this, you know, learning and using different words. So I went and read some books on it just so I could be better at selling my message, selling what I was trying to get the kids to buy into. And so one of the books that I read and was fascinated by was the book by Frank Luntz titled Words That Work. And it really gave some insight in the magic of words. Just Just listen to a well-known politician when they're speaking off the cuff versus reading from a speech that's written by a professional speechwriter or a speechwriting team. Listen to the difference. Oh my gosh, it's night and day. What does that tell you? The words that are scripted out, written, vetted, thought, and put in the right order and the right fit are much more influential. And as coaches, now politicians may use it in a poor way or, or in a way that's detrimental to a lot of people in some cases, definitely in other countries, and hey, even here in America. We can use words a little differently. Think about the words and how we say it. So take the word standards and use that in place of rules. You're looking for these little things, these little details that are the big needle movers. And having standards and rules is a huge needle mover, huge needle mover. But now you have these little details that can help the big needle movers along. And as this podcast progresses, we're going to take these big, big needle movers across the board. And we're going to start breaking down even more of the details, the little subtle details that you can 
do day in and day out to help drive and improve and increase the underlying items or actions that influence those big needle movers. All right, so we broke down Urban Meyer's go-to principle, the 10-80-10 principle, gave you a couple actionable steps that you can do and use with that, but really it's a paradigm looking at your team and going, okay, I got these 10% that are go-getters. How do I get the rest of the team to go with them? One, you can work through that 10%. You can have get more of those 10 percenters, maybe make it 20 or 30%. And you can also, again, don't fall for the talent tease. Go watch Draft Day, the movie with Kevin Costner. You can eliminate or reduce or not bring on those 10% that Urban Meyer refers to as distracted, undisciplined, low motivators, those downward draggers. They're dragging people back, holding people back, taking the wind out of the team's sail. And then also, hey, watch that show, Ted Lasso, because he deals with a bunch of knuckleheads and he's trying to get them going. So there's different ways of going about it. So you get as many to go. Well, first you set your team up as best you can. And then you get as many of the the middle group that just kind of want to follow, but they're not quite certain. They're not great leaders, but they just grab onto something and go with it. Get them to go with the go-getters, the motivated, the hustle players, eliminate or reduce those 10%. And also when you do get those players that are eventually or inevitably going to end up on your team that are a challenge, watch the show Ted Lasso to get some ideas on how to deal with those knuckleheads. Because in that show, he actually talks about and shares and actually illustrates literally on the show, like the subplot for an episode will be him working on a specific strategy or strategies to help one player come around, to get him going in the right direction, to help him overcome those deficiencies. Essentially taking these bottom 10 percenters and getting them to go in the right direction. All right. With that said, I always enjoy being here with you guys just kind of to be in, you know, something to kind of an anchor to your week, a 30 minute, a 25 minute, a 40 minute episode once a week that keeps you thinking in a way that's positive, gives you a foundation, gives you strategies and things that keeps you going in the right direction to keep improving as a coach, along with getting out there in the trenches and doing this stuff and also learning things on your own. And that's what I'm trying to get to you guys here with the 80-20 Baseball Masterclass. Thank you for your time. And until next Tuesday, take care of yourself. Definitely that health. Take care of your health. You want to be a better coach, first and foremost, take care of your health. Get sleep, eat a little better, have energy out there, and take care of your families. And please take this information. Take this information and go out there and put it to work. You may not always believe it right away. You may not always just be buying into what I'm sharing. Go out there and use it. This stuff is tested over time, proven with a lot of different coaches. It's proven in the trenches. If I'm sharing it here, it's proven in the trenches. I promise you, take it out there, fit it into your style, and make the baseball community a better place. Make your team a much better team than it otherwise would have been. And we'll finish it there. Catch you on the flip side. This has been the 8020 Baseball Podcast. Take it to the field.